Hi, hello, welcome to episode 64 of Trail Society, brought to you by our friends over at Free Trail. I'm Corinne Malcolm. I'm Keely Henninger. And I'm Hilary Allen. And as you probably maybe just heard, depending on what Keely edits out, it's <laughs> it's early for uh, the P- the PST folks over here in the dark, <laughs> the dark, dark days of winter. How are both of you gals doing? <laughs> Adjusting to the that, I don't know. I still, it's still hard to to adjust to the the cold and dark mornings here, even though I'm an hour yeah. later than you guys. Mm-hmm. I know. Likewise, uh, I feel like every winter I'm like trying to set myself up for success in the Pacific Northwest, and then I feel kind of the same every winter. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm like, why do I not live in Tucson? I don't understand what I'm doing to myself. But the PNW checks out all other times of year. I just always get a little sad this time of year because like there's no snow for the Christmas holiday, but it's still really cold and it's windy and it's rainy. And you're like, can we just get like something that's not that for one day? But that's okay. Yeah. It looks it's like been you have... mild in general. Yeah, it has been mild. We've definitely we are hurting. It's low tide up in the mountains from a snow perspective, but it looks mm-hmm. like you had a good solstice run up on uh, Dog Mountain with some good folks. How was it? Yeah, it was so fun. It was Susie's idea, um, who's one of my good friends, lives in White Salmon now. And she's now friends with Gordo, who I've been friends with for a long time. I've paced before at races and Corinne's his coach. So small world kind of, but they're all really good friends now. So it was like a, a solid squad. We just ran up for sunrise and like it had been socked in for days. And so climbing up, we were like, we might get a sunrise or we might just be in the clouds. And luckily, like as soon as we broke like 3000 feet, it was like we could see the sunrise. And so it ended up being totally worth it. It would have been worth it either way for the company in the run, but um. I will say like it was not 11 days after Doanthanon plus like all the chaos that had ensued with my travel and no sleeping and I was sore by like 4 p.m. <laughs> I've never had doms hit so quickly in my life. <laughs> so I was like, okay, my legs are not ready for that kind of vert. That's for sure. That was my first strength session like really back in the gym a couple of weeks ago where I was just like I woke up the next morning and was like, oh no. And Stephen was like, yeah, the next two days are going to be rough for you. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so Dom's, Dom's is that that special flavor that you get coming out of a little bit of a break. Um, this will come out Jan 2nd. Um, Hillary, are you being roped into any fun New Year's, New Year's Eve run plans in Boulder? Because I feel like that is like, I don't know, you've got a good running community. People always want to get after it a little bit for the last day of the year. Yeah, I'm actually not sure. I might actually go up to the mountains and do some skiing because I hadn't have I haven't had a chance to get on skis yet. It's kind of uh, well, it did snow for us on Christmas, but um, it's now melted. So there's just a bunch of ice. So I don't know if <laughs> if I'm really motivated to run that much. But maybe maybe go up in the mountains somewhere. There was talk about maybe doing a Mount Albert. Who knows? I don't know if I'm motivated for that. <laughs> Winter Mount Albert sounds sounds awful, but we'll leave that to the Boulder <laughs> folks, not not for us out here in the PNW. Um, before we dive into a little bit of news and some results, we got to give a shout out to AG1. Love those guys. Again, we said that we brought we brought our travel packs with us to the the ends of the earth to Cape Town and to Thailand just a little bit ago. And as you know, if you're a longtime listener, they've been with us for I think. I don't know, almost as long as the podcast has been going at this point, well over a year, almost two years, which is pretty darn cool. 
when we started drinking AG1 daily, again, that's my generally my pre-coffee or pre-black tea drink just to get the day kicked off right. I noticed that I just felt kind of ready, ready to take on whatever my day was going to throw me akin to being a morning exerciser. You don't know what's going to come later in the day. You might as well set yourself up for good Mm -hmm start to how things are going to go. And again, that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. And since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. And so if you'd like to try AG1, you can head over to drinkag1.com slash trail society. And there you can try AG1 and get a free one year supply of um, immune supporting vitamin D3 K2, which is so important. If you live in the Northern, Northern hemisphere this time of year, <laughs> so go over there, grab some of that. Um, you yeah. can also get fr- uh, five free AG one travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that's over at drinkag1.com slash trail society. And with that, we're kicking off the new year with, uh, just kind of reflecting on where we've come from some races, got some post-race blues, I think, going on, um, working up motivation for 2024. Keely, this is part of, you know, you were kind of scheming on some of this, and I'm wondering how things are going over in Portland, coming out of Doyenthanon, coming out of like a big epic adventure. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I underestimated how roller coastery it will be, but like I tell all of my athletes after 100 miles to just like roll with it for a couple of weeks. Like you might have one day where you're like, let's go rage. And the next day you're like, what is life? Like, I don't want to do anything. And I feel like that roller coaster is so real. Like, I don't know what kind of hit your hormones take from this long of a race, but I've definitely been on the roller coaster ride. Like I'd say the week in Japan after the race was definitely a godsend. But then since being home, I've definitely gone like up and down and up and down. And I think just like, I just wanted to acknowledge it on the pod because I think a lot of us think that we always need to like be really stoked about running and always want to be pushing ourselves and always want to be running. And I don't think that has to be the case. I think we're allowed to like, not like it sometimes be confused by it sometimes not be motivated to do it sometimes. Like we're motivated people. That doesn't mean we're going to be unmotivated forever. Um, but I think like post 100 or post whatever the heck race you did, that's crazy. Um, I think it's okay to like lean into those feelings and actually like let them happen and be like, cool, I'm totally unmotivated to run today. I don't have to go do it. Um, and I think I felt it really strong this year because my race, you know, ended and then now we have the holiday season and like, I feel like the holiday season is a place where you're supposed to always be always positive and be super stoked all the time. And I think to me, it was really obvious when I would have like a day where I was feeling kind of down to be like, oh man, like I am so down right now. Like what is wrong with me? I need to be stoked. It's the holidays. I need to be stoked, like all this stuff. And it's just not the case. And so, yeah, I think like if you're going through that right now and you're not super stoked and it's the holidays, you're feeling guilty you came off a big race or maybe just nothing, none of the above have happened, but you're still unmotivated. Like, that's okay. Like give yourself some slack. I think sometimes we're allowed to feel all the feels and be kind of, you know, confused about our relationship with running. Um, and yeah, I would be, I was really just interested to throw it in here to hear, see how you guys were feeling. Cause I know you both came off races too. And, um, yeah, wanted to hear how your recovery is going and how your mindsets are right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think it's one of those things too, where you are waiting almost for like inspiration to strike. And until inspiration has like come flooding back in, it's like, 
oh, I'm just going to do whatever feels good for the time being. Like if that's a, a walk with my dog, great. If that's a run, awesome. But it's hard for me to be like, I don't know, I think in, in part since my like relationship with exercise has like shifted and changed over the years to a place where I don't, I, I mean, I used to be like an obsessive compulsive exerciser um, where like I had to do X amount of time every week, et cetera. Um, that was, that was a motivator to get me out the door. It turns out when like, which is I'm like healthier now. So I feel like this is a greater time of like reflection and like settling back into routines at home and not forcing it. I'm not like, oh my God, I have to go run 10 miles at Tiger today. Otherwise life over failed, et cetera. So it's more like some social stuff, some solo stuff, some getting excited about 2024. And I think as soon as I become ex really excited for the upcoming year and I kind of pick a like, okay, this is our like start date or like, this is when things are going to start really turning, like turning on, turning up. Then it's like, I feel refreshed enough to like hit the ground, literally running again, um, to get ready for that event. We've got a big uh, trip to Japan coming up in January. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to right now, going skiing for two weeks, kind of the back half of the month. And so for me, it's like, I feel like training motivation will like be like, cool, I come back from Japan and I'm going to be like, time, it's time, running is now. So I think that that is also kind of like my mental timeline right now. Hilly, what about for you? I know you're in kind of off-season multi-sport mode right now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's not even just for, um, you know, 100 milers just to like have that. I think it's normal to have like a post-race race funk after anything, like even the, like even the 50K, even, you know, like your, you know, like your first race isn't like distance isn't qualified, right? Like anything that requires a lot of focus and that's something for me, it's like, you know, I've woken up and okay, this is my training. I have this goal for this race. And then when it's, when it's done, it's always kind of like, okay, like now what it's easy to think on the next. I think one of the most common things, um, you know, that someone asks you after a race is like, oh, well, what's next. And it's so easy to shift into that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been having, uh, problems with motivation and, you know, just feeling like super psyched one day, like Keely said, and then the next it's like, yeah, you know, uh, it just feels good to just drink some tea on the couch today. Like, I don't know if I even really need to even want to go outside. Right. <laughs> it's like, which, you know, we're all motivated people, but it, it doesn't, I think that's also very normal. Um, and yeah, so I'm trying to like, yes, I'm motivated for next season. I've got some cool things on the calendar, but also just trying to enjoy, the down moments because, um, yeah, when you need to push hard, um, and you know, when you need to start actually preparing for these races, it's like, you want to, I want to have the mental energy to do so. Um, so yeah, I think it's actually really cool to normalize that because I think it's, uh, I didn't have the most traditional, um, season, at least for me this year. And, but still I raced a lot, even if it wasn't just running, it was still in some other way, shape or form. And that takes a, a lot of mental energy. So it's really important to at least for me, use this time of year to kind of have a reset. You guys have, uh, well, I don't know, well, again, what, what did Keely edit out of this? But um, I know that I will be going to Chuckanut in some way, shape or form in March, hopefully pinning a bib on there and hopefully doing some some live podcasting, paneling it up in the PNW. And uh, I think Keely is wants to make an appearance there as well. I'm drinking out of my Chuckanut 2016 mug for mm -hmm. those of you watching on YouTube. Um, as I like look insane this morning, um, 
and then gorge down in portland and in keely's neck of the woods i'll be there i think to run the 50k and to hang out and once again do some do some i'm told dylan i'm gonna take the megaphone from him and just run around with it um and then i'm gonna go transvalkania my, like my international race i know keely you were talking about wanting to go international this year because medical school will be starting for you in the fall and and just wanting to like do some traveling ahead of of really having to hunker down for a little bit with school and i'm wondering if you've thought at all about what that might look like yeah, I've definitely been trying to think about it lately. Transvolcania, come hang out I've, with me. I'm, I'm going to Transvolcania. I mean, that would be amazing. So I'm definitely leaning <laughs> towards Transvolcania just because of the distance. And it's like throwing down a nice American contingent and just international contingent now. Um, and I've always wanted to run it. Um, yeah, I think Helen Mino Faulkner's going as well. Like, I think there's going to oh, be, sweet. I think it's going to yeah. be a sick field. Brittany, yeah, I think my Peterson is current, going to. Brittany's going to. I think nice. my current motivation is literally just for chuck a nut right now. And so I'm trying not to sign up for anything until I actually feel stoked. And so mm-hmm. when I'm talking to like sponsors right now or just people in general, I'm like, hey, I could be going to Transvolcania or I could like pivot and really be stoked to do canyons. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm probably leaning towards Transvolcania, but I don't want to like put myself in that bucket until I'm like stoked. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I do really want to erase stuff that I won't have time for. So I'm definitely trending towards looking internationally, um, just kind of knowing that I need a little mental break from states and also knowing that my first year of med school, second year of med school, I'm assuming I'll be able to balance running and, and, and um, like study. But I mean, you never know. But I'm just like, if I'm going to run states, I think I could train for states while I'm in med school. Whereas like, there's no way I can train for Transvolcania or UTMB or any sort of international race while I'm in med school, especially those that fall during the school year. So um, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts, but yeah, I can't figure out what I want to do quite yet. So as I figure it out, I'll keep y'all posted, but right now Chuckanut sounds freaking awesome. So that is all I'm really thinking about at the moment. Heck yeah. And so Hilly, you mentioned you're going to Transvolcania is also on your list. So we could have the full squad at Transvolcania, oh, which so is cool. super exciting. That's where I feel like you and I like really met and bonded. Yeah. There. Oh gosh. I still have that like flower jacket. I forgot. Like we went up to like Pilar, like a high point on the Transvolcania course. Martina, and I, yeah. Yeah. And I was like with, um, the Salmon squad. Cause I was like at that point sponsored by the North face and the only North face athlete there. So I was like hanging out with you and your team. And then it was really I've seen it like it's crazy because it's like a tropical island but as soon as you go up it can be actually quite like bad weather and it was kind of cold and I like didn't have a jacket I was not prepared and I had this like I don't even I think I just come off the plane I had this like floral jacket that I was like running in it was so weird but Corinne and I was great yeah (laughs) I drove I drove up with like uh I think with Ida and Mimi Mimi got carsick it was a whole thing but yeah that was our 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 fabled meeting we got to go back Transylvania get ready for that early morning bus ride out to the lighthouse um with the big vans it's a it's yeah, he did a car sick. It's definitely <laughs> not fun. <laughs> now I'm like less motivated and more motivated. More motivated because Hillary is going. Less motivated because I get super car sick. Yeah, well, we'll oh, figure it out. Such, we'll get we'll get yeah. you some of those silly glasses, you know, with the like. I know I've never tried them, but I feel like I I've should because Dramamine just makes me out for the count. Yeah, let's do but it. But okay. the one of the reasons I chose Transvolcania is just because like that, I used to do that a lot with it was on the Skyrunning World Series and I've done the race mm. two times. 
Um, but it's just it's amazing. Um, the the atmosphere. Oh, everyone loves Hillary there too, and she'll just like Who? she'll just like everyone loves you there. And well, it's because like, I, I speak they'll Spanish. Bump into Spanish. Yeah. So I'm actually, Yeri Gonzalez. He's like, I emailed the info, and and then he's like, Oh my gosh, do you remember me? He just like responds in Spanish. I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My Spanish not so good. My Japanese getting really good. My nice. Spanish not so good. <laughs> Okay. Um, Keely, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Or should we bump over to some kind of cool news on our front? Mm, no, I think I'm feeling pretty good about my answer. Sweet. <laughs> well, we headed into the end of the year feeling really charitable and wanting to give back to our communities. And we've figured out some ways to, we figured out some ways to do that. That is like very normal. And then some ways where we're like still working on some creative stuff behind the scenes that I don't think that we can talk about yet, but we're very excited for. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing we did before the end of the year is we each picked a charity that we wanted to donate a thousand dollars to. Um, that's where your sponsorship dollars are going folks. They're going to charities. Um, but we each picked one. Um, Hilly picked Girls on the Run Rockies. Um, I picked Bras for Girls. And um, Keely, you picked the Forest Park Conservancy, kind of ones that were either near and dear to our heart or local, et cetera, ways that we could give back to the broader community, but also maybe the community right in our backyard. Um, Hilly, I'm wondering if you can kick us off here with Girls on the Run and Girls on the Run Rockies in particular about wanting to give to that organization. Yeah, so I think it's impactful to kind of to donate to local local community and the reason I like girls in the run is because it's something that we've always talked about on the pod like how do you make an impact um to girls staying in sports throughout the duration of their life and this one's particularly has like some some programs that start young right and I think the reason it's my favorite is because it um it combines kind of like the emotional piece and the physical piece of running and what that looks like. So they provide mentors um, and basically it's super fun. They're, yeah, fun. They're exactly. a fun org. I've, I've run with them um, up in Bellingham and uh, we put on a bubble, a bubble run 5k for girls on the run Bellingham every year with the Bellingham distance project. And it's super fun. And it, yeah, it's really cool to be able to, you know, I think at some age, um, I've read certain articles about it, like where sports should be just for fun and it shouldn't be like for training or for like the serious thing. And I think that it helps people stick with it for longer. In fact, like um, we didn't, I didn't really have this girls on the run program when I was younger, but I had this, like it's called the cruise cruisers. I posted a photo on it like ages ago on Instagram. Um, but it's something that was just like this fun running group that we would do. Um, and it had these amazing mentors. And I think this is kind of the equivalent of that, like keeping running for fun. And it's kind of at a pivotal age where, you know, there's maybe different stigmas or expectations for young girls and what they should do. And this kind of challenges that. So um, this, the money that we're donating, um, this will support five to seven girls for the season. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Those those and it's elementary school age kids and it's just uh, girls and it's really a great yeah they're they're cool programs to get involved in and they have chapters everywhere. Like there's mm -hmm. likely one at your local elementary school that you can get involved in uh, if you're li listening anywhere in the U.S. So go check <clears throat> that out. Um, I chose Bras for Girls, which is based in Seattle but is a nationwide organization. And they actually, I think their first partnership was um, in Oakland, California with another par partnering with a 
a local organization there. And essentially, Bras for Girls donates new high-quality sports bras and breast development education booklets to girls in need ages 8 to 18. Um, and re recipient programs um, include uh, sports teams, school programs, community programs, um, and other initiatives that elevate girls' access to sport. And so the $1,000 donation there will provide 67 new sports bras to the programs. Um, and kind of their mission is this idea that nationally only 20% of girls engage in at least 60 minutes of daily physical activity, um, which is at like significant lower rates than boys, and that girls' um, participation in sports drops off significantly between the ages of 10 and 17. And so simply intervening with appropriate sports bras along with normalizing body development can really change a girl's ability to feel comfortable staying in sport longer and hopefully continuing with lifelong movement. And so it's, it feels good to, to send that donation over and know that many, many sports bras will be going to girls locally in need, but also across the country, which is super cool. Yay bras. Keely, what about you? Backyard, backyard program over there. <laughs> Yeah, I was torn between some to what of which to donate to, but ultimately I chose the Conservancy, the Forest Park Conservancy, because it's my backyard trails. I run on them pretty much every single day, if not twice a day, with dogs. And my good friend is currently the interim executive director, and she'd been like chatting with me about how the Conservancy wasn't doing too hot and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I really wanted to support them because they assist in the maintenance of all the trails and their goal is to like not only maintain all of them but like help restore some of the trails of forest park and keep the park like super clean and relatively safe and also protect like the natural habitat and so they have a lot of roles in the park and i just think given how much the parks use like their impact is immeasurable and so i think you know donating to them will help keep the park going and also help maintain the trails in a really nice way um, and they also just have a lot of initiatives around like the greater Portland area too. And so they're just trying to figure out how to, you know, do some programs and stuff that will also have the impact on not only Forest Park, but also like other local trail communities and local forests. And so I just think in general, as a, for as a trail runner who uses the park every day, it just feels really good to be able to give back to them so that we can actually, you know, preserve the park and maintain all of those trails. Sweet. Yeah. And trail access for kind of all in the Portland area mm -hmm. falls into that bucket, which is, which is pretty cool. So sweet donations have gone off. We're working on some other initiatives, um, that we'll hopefully be able to talk more about maybe on, even on the next episode, but yeah, we just, we're trying to figure out creative ways to, uh, give back to our communities, both locally and abroad and, uh, felt good to send those end of year donations into, to programming near and dear to all of our hearts. And, uh, we'll link those websites in the show notes. Um, consider, yeah, consider helping out someone in your backyard or, or, a, a national organization as we head into 2024. Um, I know, I know trail mix was a fund that we we've talked about donating to as well, which helps, um, more equitable access to trail racing by providing entries, et cetera, to people who can't afford to it otherwise so there's lots of really good good things that we can do with our our extra cash here and there the result that i wanted to talk about before we dive into our really cool interview with grace and murphy for today is um giving like shining some light on the runners who who have officially now claimed golden tickets from doyanthanon in thailand 
which will bring new faces to Western states. Um, Cause actually it rolled, it rolled down to fourth in the men's field, which is mm. kind of cool. Cause actually rolled past individuals who have been at Western states to someone to a, to a new name, which is cool. So on the women's side, it was Lynn Chen and Anna and Anna Lee um, who actually finished 10th and 11th overall in the race. They're both Chinese athletes. Um, Lin Chen runs for Adidas Terex. So we'll have another Adidas Terex lady on the start line there, which is super cool. And I actually couldn't, um, figure out who, um, Ani Lin or Ani Lee was sponsored by if, if anyone. So kind of curious. I don't think she had one, but yeah, okay. reach out if you know she does, but her tip seemed a little, um, sponsor agnostic. Yeah. <clears throat> Esther, Esther Chillog might know. So we'll, uh, we'll reach out to Esther to see if she's got any more details behind the scenes. She's got a really good, her, her thumb is on the pulse of like the Asia race community. Um, because most of these athletes, again, don't race outside of Asia. They'll race predominantly in China. Um, most of them actually went to Jeju in Korea earlier this fall in October. Um, and then, and they get to Hong Kong to race, but that's really, that's really about it. So Lin Chen, who, um, who won the race also won, um, Congolese, the 168 K ultra trail race earlier this year. She placed second at the trans Jeju 100 K by UTMB, um, ran the China hundred mountain cross country race, which is a hundred kilometer race. Um, and then took the win at Doi Inthanon. So very much a mountain runner. Like the races on her list were high vertical, long time on feet, et cetera. Um, Ani Lee on the other side, um, has raced a lot in 2023, I think 11 times is what I counted racing, you know, some 20 to 30 K races, racing a couple hundred K races. Um, she actually was over at UTMB this year to run CCC. Um, and it looked like ultimately had a hard day finishing 34th at that race. Um, but seems to have, um, a wider ranging kind of race interest slash I'm wondering what kind of leg speed she has, um, just given that some of those races were, were fairly fast, um, and a little bit flatter. So curious to see both those women on the start line at Western States this year. Then on the men's side, um, Gao Ji won the race and the other ticket rolled down to Robert Hanel, um, Romanian athlete. Many of you will remember him from taking second at UTMB back in 2018. And he ran in rain pants the entire day. Um, and his mom at the, like the, the award ceremony was like my favorite person ever. She had a shirt with his like face on it. It was great. Um, but on the men's side, um, Gao Ji runs for Hoka, um, and so he has made it to outside of China and Asia to race. He was at UTMB this year, actually finishing 14th there. Um, he also won the Ultra Trail um, Ningha by UTMB 100K earlier this year and finished third at the Trans Jeju race in Korea and the 100K there as well. Robert Hanal is probably more well-known in the Western European race scene than the, the Asian athletes. He runs for Ultra out of, and he's a Romanian athlete. Um, but I think this will be his first time racing in the U S he's got, I mean, he's been racing ultras for a decade, mm. um, super accomplished runner. He was second at La Vareda this year in the 120 K. Um, he, I think was ninth this year or last year at UTMB. I think it was this year. I think this year he was ninth at UTMB, but he's also been 46. He's DNF'd twice and he's come second there. So the, wow. the man has run that loop around the mountain. <clears throat> more than a handful of times. Um, he also has wins at the Istria 100 mile and top five finishes at Trans Grand Canaria, the Madeira Island ultra trail, Penny Galosa and UTCT. So Robert's gotten around on the running scene. And, uh, but I believe this is for his first time coming to the U S to race. And 
while he's more of a mountain athlete, uh, I'm really excited to see him run at Western States this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that this race is bringing new faces into States. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah. And then um, there are still 10 tech tickets up for grabs for golden for golden tickets into Western States. Three men and three women will get tickets at Black Canyon coming up in February. And that field is so deep. You guys, like I was looking at the field and like, I've got to go like 60 deep to get to Cat Bradley and Cat Drew, <laughs> who like have both, have both done really well at Western States, who have both like a... Uh, catcher's gotten golden ticket before etc like the field mm -hmm. is the, the the depth is deep as brett um brett would say so really excited <laughs> about that race and then two more tickets for men two more tickets for women will be on the line at the canyons endurance 100k at the end of april so yeah the well i don't feel like we have our normal like golden ticket build up in the u.s with like bandera kicking off in january etc mm -hmm. um we still have two more races coming up and I'm really excited for, uh, I'll be at black Canyon on the, on the ground doing media. So very, very excited about it. Yeah. I might be there too. I'll let you know, not, <gasps> not to race, but might pay someone, but still TBD <laughs> training camp. Can I come out there? Friend, yes, fr come. Friend, friend of the pod, uh, Rachel, Miss Rachel Drake will be racing there, which is very exciting. She will. That's not who I would pace. Well, she hasn't asked me, so, but uh, Rachel, I'm Drake. excited for her. <laughs> I'm excited for her too. Yeah, she won't be racing Olympic trials the week before. She's going to Black yeah. Canyon, which I think is mm -hmm. just really such a for her. baller move. I really, mm -hmm. really excited for her. Okay, mm -hmm. before we dive into our really amazing interview, we've got to give a quick shout out to the folks over at The Feed. Again, they've been with us for a very long time and their snack boxes are keeping <laughs> my whole household fueled at this point. Um, we're currently out of waffles, which is a tragedy and must be rectified as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you, I mean, again, they're your one-stop shop for all your, not even just your race day nutrition, but your like your snacks, your breakfast. If you're Keely, it's where you get your coffee from and all the granola <laughs> that you can possibly handle. And life hack. Life hack. <laughs> coffee and granola <laughs> from the feed. Um, but if you want to put together a recurring snack box or just try mix and match different things, you want one gel from here, one goo gel, one spring gel, one scratch gummy pack, etc. A, a thing of Morton, whatever it is, like you can literally pick, you can get one of everything to taste test before you figure out your next race strategy. Um, you can do that by going over to www.thefeed.com slash trail society. And add that really fun vanity code. Again, www.thefeed.com slash trail society. You can get a $15 credit to use quarterly. That's $60 of free product a year. And they ship really fast. So if you're desperate and you need snacks for like this weekend, go over to the feed mm -hmm. uh, right now and place that order. We love you guys. Okay. Now we're digging in towards our meat and potatoes. And our meat and potatoes this week is Miss Grayson Murphy, two-time world champ, y'all, in mountain running, and most recently snagged not one, but two medals at the 2023 World Trail and Mountain Running Championships this past June. Um, so just like a phenomenally talented athlete. I think we were all on the edges of our seats watching her throw down there, um, snagging a bronze and a gold. She's a multi-talented athlete in person. Grayson actually runs her own business, making a really cool training journal slash planner. Um, I'm looking forward to my 2024 one, making it to my house here shortly. Um, and you still have time to get that 2024 planner in your hands as well. And a sweet new sticker pack, I noticed. So you can go over to www.grayson.com. 
or dash grayson.com. And we'll make sure that we link that in the show notes because listening to me try to spell things is not what you want to do. So we are going to get right out of the way and you can uh, dive into this wonderful interview with Grayson Murphy. My name is Grayson Murphy. I am a professional runner on lots of different surfaces, and I spend most of my time in Flagstaff, although I really live in Utah and Montana, too. And I have a little side business, a cat named Cusco, and my fiance is a professional athlete as well. So we have... (laughs) <laughs> we have so much to talk about and we're going to hit all those points um, for sure. And I think in the first couple questions, but to get things kicked off, while well, a lot of our listeners will know who you are. We can't assume that everyone, everyone knows everyone. And so I do want to give just a little bit of background um, on you. And what I think is super interesting, and I know that you've probably talked about this before, is that you didn't like come, you weren't like a high school running phenom, right? Like you were a soccer player. You actually went and played soccer collegiately before transferring twice as a runner. And so I would love to just hear a little bit about that, you know, that background, that experience and like kind of finding yourself as a runner, as a, as like a person already in college. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting growing up. I really wasn't that interested in running. So soccer was definitely the focus and I kind of pitied the cross-country team whenever I saw them training like oh I feel bad you're not on the soccer team um because this seems like so much more fun and then once I got to college and was just kind of learning a lot about myself in every which way um decided to transfer and then decided I was done with soccer so running kind of became an option um I didn't want to join a sorority so that was kind of like the next best thing was try and walk on to a team at the college that I was at. And with no experience, luckily running is like kind of a sport you can finagle your way into without a ton of background. And yeah, it just kind of took off. I definitely wasn't the best one on the team right away. It took a couple months um, of learning like how to run and what training was and what shoes to wear and all of that. And then just kind of turned into what started as a social experiment for me into something that I really actually enjoyed and liked and now has become my job and a passion. So it's been a fun roller coaster to be on and continues to be a roller coaster. Um, But yeah, I'm glad I'm on it. So it's been fun. Yeah. And that roller coaster continued a little bit after college. You ended up in Flagstaff actually because you became a member of the Hokanaz elite team that is based in Flagstaff. And I'm wondering if you can touch briefly on that adjustment to running post-collegiately and then ultimately kind of what made you like what allowed you or helped you make the decision to kind of move on to different pastures. Yeah, I think um, it was really cool to have the prospect of even running professionally coming out of college. And that was something after about two years in college, someone mentioned and then I was like that sounds fun I think I would like to shoot for that goal um so it was really cool to have options and NAZ on paper seemed like the perfect fit it was it still is one of the best distance running teams in the country and um it was in a good location because I knew I wanted to stay like at altitude and west west of the Rockies so I think on paper it seemed like a great fit but keep in mind and I had to keep in mind too that I was only 
a runner of four years at that point. So I really didn't know a ton about what I even liked in running. I, I think my potential was like very untapped. We weren't even really sure what I was good at yet at that point. And so it's just a big learning curve. And I learned a lot. Um, and I kind of learned that like the professional team setting is not the same as collegiate team setting. There's some big differences there. And everything I liked about college wasn't really in that professional layout. Um, and I just, it's not for everyone. It is for some people though. And so I decided to leave. And I also was kind of trail curious at that point and I wanted to see what that was like. So I wanted the opportunity to do that, which wasn't available under the guise of the team. Um, so there's kind of a lot of things like that pushed me to leave, but it was a great learning experience that year there and kind of accelerated, like forced me to figure out what I like and don't like and moving forward, accelerated the entry into the pro world, I think. Yeah, I totally understand that. Like when I was on the US national team, my teammates were significantly older than me. And I came into skiing quite late in comparison to most Nordic skiers in the US as well, who have been skiing since they could walk. And it's really it's a different experience when you're when you're super green like that. I think both like physically, but also just like psychologically, you're in a different place in life in your relationship with the sport. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, being green has to be a really unique, unique experience. Um, there was an interview, I think it came out post kind of Olympic trials. I remember being in Tahoe, I think for Western States watching us Olympic trials take place and you were running in the steeplechase there. You made the finals in the steeplechase. We were losing our minds. It was really cool to be like cheering for this gal that we were like, she's one of us. She's a trail girl. <laughs> like, this is so sick. Um, but you have also talked about having a lot of anxiety about stepping on the track, about doing those, you know, 3000 meter steeplechase type of events. And I'm wondering if that is ultimately kind of what pushed you over to more trail running full time, or was it just like getting to do more things. Obviously you've run a really half, really fast half marathon this year, which we can talk about more later, but you know, you, you're still dabbling, but it feels like maybe that anxiety had kind of pushed, pushed you one way over the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I've always had anxiety with track even more than cross country in college for some reason. And I kind of just thought that's how everyone felt going into these races. I had no perspective on like, it could feel different. And I did my first trail race, which was Cirque Series. Shout out to them. They're going to be a U.S. champs next year. But I saw that. That's so cool. I'm so excited. So cool. Pushing for that for like four years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that race and I was like, oh my God, I had so much fun at this race. And I didn't even know that that was a possible feeling to have in a race. I thought it just had to be this really hard thing all the time that wasn't enjoyable that made me want to go hide in a porta potty um and yeah so that was kind of a really great thing to have happen because I realized oh I enjoy this and it doesn't have to be this life-ending feeling that I'm having on start lines it can be fun so that has definitely pushed me more towards trail stuff yeah it feels like a pressure cooker right just like being on a track with a stadium like that feels 
that's way different than I think most trail experiences. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you learn pretty quickly if you want to jump in those porta potties at the trail races, because there's so many of them. So you're like, yeah. okay, I feel like I don't need to go in there. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or jump on a bush or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You mentioned at the top of the interview that your partner, your fiance, getting married in 2024. Um is also a professional athlete. Logan is a super talented cross-country skier. Um, and we understand that, you know, being a professional athlete is super time consuming and can feel really selfish at times. And, you know, we've, I think we've actually messaged about this a little bit. My partner was a professional mountain biker. When we first started dating, he was gone all the time. I was gone all the time. It's, it's a really unique experience. And we're wondering how you guys have found ways to balance that part of your relationship. Yeah, it's been a learning curve for sure. Um, we haven't always hit it right, but I think now we're to a point where we can do pretty good and we still don't live in the same state. So that takes some orchestration of some very busy schedules, but we try and make sure like someone is seeing someone once a month or every six weeks. And like when he's in season now through March, usually that means I'm the one traveling and then if I'm more in season he's maybe more the one traveling um and we try and go to each other's races when we can but obviously you can't go to everyone's races so yeah we just try and it's been a good I think actually relationship builder because it feels really strong now and if we can like get through this for five years it feels like we can do a lot of other hard things too and we'll be okay yeah I think that's super super important I think it's also I mean, having a partner, obviously he's an endurance athlete. So, and I, I think I joke in a later question that I'll bring up at some point that he, you're dating a, or you're engaged a professional cross trainer, which is great. <laughs> um, but I, it feels like too, that, you know, can you speak a little bit to this idea of when you're in a relationship with someone who also has this passion, be it endurance sports, be it something else they're really passionate about. There's this like sense of like, no questions asked, like they just get it. And I'm wondering if that has felt comforting, secure, et cetera, in your relationship? Yeah, definitely. It's it's really nice to be able to tell someone like how a race went or how your training's going and they just know what you're talking about and you don't have to explain in detail. I think in college, my parents were, my family is not runners. Um, so explaining that to them was like more trouble than it was worth sometimes. <laughs> And having him to know like what it feels like to be on a start line at a big race or at a national championship is very supportive. And I feel like hopefully I give that back to him too. And it's fun to have we had a whole conversation this week on like race mentality. And um, he felt like in a race, he wasn't giving it. And we were like, is it because you're unmotivated? Is it like a mental or physical thing? And like really diving deep into it. And that's fun. And conversations I can't really have with the rest of my family. Oh, I get that. I mean, how many of us have like that, that phone call with their parents? I know this is my dad, like every other week when he calls me, we get an email one week and he calls us the other weekend and, you know, bless his heart, but he'll always be like, so how's, how's running? Like you're healthy. Like that's all that he, like, he just wants to know that like, I'm not physically maiming myself. And that is about the extent of his understanding of my running career. My mom has come to races with me, but my dad is just like, you're, it's good you're still running. Okay. Like <laughs> thumbs up. It's not like this, like in depth, like, you know, Steven can ask me how a workout went and it's great that I can like, 
you know, say a little or say a lot. And he like a hundred percent can like meet me mm-hmm. where I'm at. Yeah. But I, I have a question. Um, like I've dated people who also do the same sport, right. And like are super into running or super into endurance sport or whatever. And like, how did you balance like having that shared passion, but also making sure to like have other things you like to do together? Cause ultimately at the end of the day, like one day we're probably not going to be doing this sport. And so I wonder how you guys balance that. Cause I know that's hard because it is such a big part of your identity right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I actually think it's better that he wasn't a runner. Um, cause I've learned like Nordic skiing and now I can do Nordic ski races and that's like super fun. And I don't know that I would have picked that up as a hobby, I would call it. Cause I really think it is a hobby for me. Um, if I wasn't with someone that was a Nordic skier and like mountain biking, same thing. And so I think both of us like being active and outdoors and that has helped like cross boundaries. It like transcends our sport, I guess. And just, it all becomes like hobby things that we enjoy. Um, I'm not as much of a gearhead as he is, so (laughs) that's different, but yeah, I think both of us like being outside. So we kind of frame it that way as like, this is our time to spend together and less of like this is training and we have to be super serious when we're doing it that's i think so critical and he can be like the bike maintenance human then you can be like cool also owns a bike business so i just get like a bike mechanic out of it too (laughs) we love that yeah i don't i don't bike mechanic i don't ski mechanic steven is my mechanic which sometimes means that like my crank arm my crank arm has like fallen off in events before but you know (laughs) when it when it's when you're dating the mechanic it's uh it's kind of hard to hold it against them. But kind of speaking about that, speaking about these hobby sports, about cross-training, et cetera, and it being more than cross-training, right? It being like just really enjoying these other activities. I joked that Logan is a professional cross-trainer. I feel like Nordic skiers are like the impetus of that there. They're like, they, you know, they're roller skiing, they're running, they're hiking, they're mountain biking, et cetera. Like they get to do it all for training. And that feels very different for a lot of runners, I think. But you really embraced that. And we'd love to talk a little bit about like, approaching those new sports with like mental and psychological flexibility and then just like the willingness to fail because like let's face it I have endowed off my mountain bike more times than I can count and I'm sure you've experienced your own uh tumbles on Nordic skis and and on the bike as well yeah it's been fun and I think it kind of brings back to me the same feelings I felt when I first started running when I was 19 which is quite old to start a sport I think um but you feel new and it it forces you out of your comfort zone and forces you to let go of your ego a bit and you just have to be like ready to be a student of the sport and accept that you're not going to be amazing at it even though I want to be most of the time like first time trying Nordic skis I expect to be like Jesse Diggins and then (laughs) I'm like okay you need to check yourself and you are not that good at anything so um yeah, I think it's been fun and it like keeps me humble and adding new races this year. I did my first Nordic ski races and then my first um, mountain bike and gravel races. And it's fun too in a race environment because it, it humbles you and forces you to like take the pressure off. And then I've tried to remember that feeling like when I'm in Austria at Worlds and remember like there is a way to experience this with less pressure and you have experienced that, so like try and get back to there mentally, and then it opens up the race for just like curiosity, really. I love that because the negative side of that is like, 
I mean, I've been I've been dropped by male my male teammates cross country skiing or Stephen on the bike, and it's like it took me a while to get over the fact that like they're the best in the world at this, and it's like okay that I can't keep up, but it does it like keeps you grounded and it keeps you humble, and it like yeah relieves that like pressure of perfectionism that I think is really easy to to lean into when you uh it's your full time full-time sport. Keely, you wanted to ask some questions, I think, that were, like, specifically about incorporating some of that stuff into run training. Was Mm -hmm. there something specific? Yeah, I just think, like, obviously, you threw these races in, like, not during a time where you weren't running, at least not to my knowledge um, at all. So, like, I was wondering how you balanced training for running and still feeling like you were getting running miles under your belt and also training for these different sports and how you, like, recovered from them and made sure you were still okay to run and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think I looked at most of them as like supplementary to the running training. So if I was like training for the bike race, it'd be like, can we do a couple doubles this week that are mountain biking or gravel depending on the race? Um, And then we tried to put the races right after the week after a running race. And then that week after was like my down week where I wouldn't really run much at all. And I would just mainly do whatever cross training race I was going to do that week. So it was like a forced, mostly mental downtime, but also giving the body a break from like pounding on running. And I thought it was a really good way to like keep the stress levels lower, but also keep me excited about training. Because then once I did the bike race, I was like excited to start run training again more fully. Um, that was my coach's design. So he can get credit for that one, but <laughs> I think it's it smart. worked well. <laughs> it's super, super smart. I know that Keely spends a lot of time on the bike post-race as kind of that like mental and physical break too. I know Hillary does the same. Do you find that, you know, there are physical benefits beyond the mental, like the psychological benefits of getting that kind of recoup time? I think so. I think specifically with, some of the harder tri- or road races, the pounding is can be pretty brutal. In the half, it wasn't terrible, but I have had a couple of road races where I'm like, I could use like some not pounding for a couple of days because the legs are feeling it. Uh, and then with the trail stuff, I think less recovery, but more with like climbing, I think it uses similar muscles, especially to mountain biking. So I felt like that was a good training tool where if I don't want to be climbing on foot all the time, I can simulate that climbing on the bike and it translated really well. Yeah. I think you mentioned, you mentioned that half marathon and we haven't actually talked about it. We've, we've talked about it actually without you here. Um, we, when it happened, we were like losing our minds in our little results section. We were like, Grayson Murphy with the fastest ever half marathon in full tights. We're pretty sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about kind of, I mean, talk about like adversity and like going for this, like really fast time to qualify for the Olympic trials marathon in a half, but like in on kind of a funky course, actually not that far, I think from where I'm sitting in Seattle, kind of funky course, pretty horrendous weather, like (laughs) no field, like tell us a little bit about like, I, in my mind, that has to be confidence inspiring though, too, to like take on all that adversity. Like tell us a little bit about that race and like what you learned from that experience. Yeah, I learned a lot. Um, we set it up. My agent just had an opportunity for someone to kind of be an ambassador for this race. And then he asked and I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, like I want to get the OTQ because I don't know if I'll have another chance 
to run a half based on my race plans this year. So I'm going to run a half like I want to do it well. Um, so that's kind of why we did that. And then, yeah, the course was funky. It was an out and back. There were a couple like 180 degree turns and on and off curbs and bike paths and weird gravel portions. Um, I'm glad I was a trail runner in that race because I needed it. And the weather was quite horrible. Uh, I was in, like you said, long tights, long sleeve gloves, and it was raining and windy. And then I did have two male pacers, though. So I think they were like a godsend because I don't know if I would have been able to do it without them breaking the wind, especially on some of the bridges across the water. So I learned a lot. I learned that it kind of like a kind of like being a new person in a new sport. It takes a lot of the pressure off and the expectation because the weather is so bad and the course is so strange that it would be more surprising if I did do well than if I didn't do well. Um, which kind of in my head was like, okay, so that takes some pressure off and we'll just go try. And if we don't get it today, then not all of that was my fault because I think we're in all, all in agreement that there's like a lot of funky things going on here. Um, and it's been nice to kind of take that forward. And then with the road stuff in general, it's confidence inspiring to see that even after like a big injury time and trail block in 2022, I was still able to do that early 2023 and then put that back into fitness, back into like trail stuff in May and June. So I promise Keely, this is my last like off book question. Um, <laughs> and then I swear I'll go back on script, but um, I love the off book. It's fine. Okay, the off book's amazing. But you, you said something about, and this like this carries through to the skiing stuff and to the mountain biking stuff. And it's this like the, the pressure being removed when you do sports that are maybe a stretch or outside your wheelhouse or not your main thing. In contrast to that, though, like you return to Worlds this year after after, you know, kind of an extended extended absence from Worlds because Worlds was delayed with the, with the pandemic and then. Um, your own injury cycle, um, you get back to worlds this year for the vertical and uphill, uphill, downhill. And, you know, you're a, you're a former world champion, right? Like mm -hmm. you are, you are a known entity. You are a, a favorite <laughs> for the race. You are, uh, it's not, it's not this thing that you're doing on the side, quote unquote, <laughs> for fun. Like it's, it's your, it's your thing. Like, tell us a little bit about stepping into that arena and how you deal with probably both the it's it's internal and external comparison and pressure to like be on and perform well in that environment because that is a stark contrast to jumping into a nordic ski race or a mountain bike race right yeah i think kind of in a weird way the being humble gives you like a little bit of confidence too and going into worlds i was like great finally like a race course that's suited for me and finally like good weather and finally like all these things are lining up where I've been dealing with like the half pretty much everything not being ideal um and I think like the VK too I wouldn't consider myself an uphill specialist so that was still like a little out of my comfort zone and then when I got to the up down I was like finally like a race for me this year <laughs> that I can do and um that one was kind of a weird course too which I actually was like oh this kind of plays to my hand maybe more than a lot of the people in the field which was kind of nice 
But I think more than anything, I was just excited to finally be on the start line after waiting mm-hmm. so long to get back there. Mm-hmm. That's the most <clears throat> Yeah, and I'm going to go off the cuff now too real quick just because (laughs) you prompted something in my mind. But I know in previous podcasts, and this was really interesting to me and you kind of just segued to it, um, you've discussed success not just as like finish line results. And it sounds like to me like that's why this year's Worlds was so meaningful is you were so excited to get to that start line because like the journey had just been so amazing. And so how did you develop that mindset? Obviously like I would assume it's not the first mindset you developed as a runner where you were like, so like, obviously like over results that you were like, no success is just being, you know, on track and getting to the start line. So like, what kind of trick, like changed your mind from being like, you know, success is when I win this race to success might be something totally different. That's not dependent on the outcome, but it's more representative of like the journey to get there and the getting to the start line and all of that. Yeah. I think two things. One was like the, postponements were it was like going through a lot of disappointment like every year of it getting postponed after COVID and then getting injured and it was like oh my god like I just keep getting my hopes up and they keep getting squashed for this um so just getting there is gonna be a win and then two I think I remember a race it was right before I left NAZ and I um PR'd by like a minute in the 10k on the track and ran pretty fast and I finished the race feeling horrible like didn't want to be there that wasn't even fulfilling and I realized then like oh just because on paper this should be a success um if I don't feel fulfilled doing it like something's wrong and that needs to be looked at so I think that was kind of the, the real beginning was 2019 having that happen and realizing like I need to define my own success because obviously that wasn't a success because I'm not feeling very successful right now. I'm just feeling like sad and depressed about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like at least I can definitely say I've been there with racing where you're like finding yourself. And so you're like seeking this gratification from the race that like, you're not okay with. So you finish and you're like, cool, I did great, but I actually like not happy with it whatsoever and not stoked about the result, not stoked with how I, my mental status was, how my training went, all of these things. And like, that is way more important. Yep. Yeah. And on the other hand, you've got people where it's like, I've had like Cape town, Cape town on paper, not a great race, but like a year ago I was running four miles at a time, like running successfully 64 ish miles around Cape town was like, a big success. Cause I got to do it. I got to run mm-hmm. the distance, complete the distance, but I'll get messages that are like, yep. Hey, like, are you okay? Like your race, your race didn't go that well. And I'm like, no, actually I'm, I'm fine. Thank you for eating <laughs> new doubt, yeah. new, new fear <laughs> unlocked. Um, totally. That's how people keep saying it about Thailand too. They're like, Oh, sorry. It didn't go so well. I'm like, yo, that was a shit show. And like, not much I could have done about it. So I think it went quite, quite fine. <laughs> Yeah. Letting people's <laughs> opinions sway you. I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a bridge forward a little bit here. And, and, but I think, I think it's all still inter- very interconnected in the sense that, you know, you have learned a lot about yourself via racing. And I think you're in this, it seems like you're in this really great spot with like your mentality around your identity, but people may or may not be aware that you've been dealing with like what seems like a pretty mysterious autoimmune condition that took a long time to pin down. And I think was like probably very scary at times. And we don't have to go into details here. What we're most curious about actually is like grappling with even the temporary loss of 
athletic identity or even like the unknown timeline of like, am I going to be a runner again? Question like walk us through that, like grappling with that and then kind of where, where everything is now or where, where you are on this side of things. Yeah, it's been, and it was very scary. I think at the beginning, like we just kept thinking, is it COVID? Even though I never had COVID, like maybe I just had and didn't know, like, is it this? Is it that? Is it overtraining? We weren't sure. And then it kind of devolved into like more serious things like the autoimmune disease that ended up being. And it doesn't really have a timeline. It's not like a stress fracture where six to eight weeks and you're like, good to go. You can start running again. It was very much like, well, does this treatment work? Does this work? Um, how are you feeling like day to day? And even moving forward, I'm on a treatment that we think is working, but you're really not sure. And flares can pop up that the treatment may not even treat. And just so kind of like knowing that it's pretty ambiguous moving forward. Um, there were definitely times the last couple of months I thought, is, am I done? I definitely texted my coach David several times being like, it's done. We're over at like end of my career. Like glad we ended on a high note of winning worlds because I'm never running again, basically. Um, and he was more level-headed than me <laughs> and I'm glad, but we got through it. And I think moving forward, we're just kind of trying to move forward with less fear of planning around players and just if they happen they happen and we're gonna have to deal with it as they come up but um not being scared of that and trying to live my life not in fear of this thing because I don't even know what it is two of the doctors think it's one thing and then two think it's another thing so um that will be another interesting journey just to like continue going down that path of what it is yeah that's scary it's scary I mean you've got some great examples and role models in the sport right now obviously Megan Roach has been they've been fairly public about kind of like her under like ongoing uh autoimmune condition which has impacted her heart periodically which is super super scary you've got Devin Yanko who yeah. was like misdiagnosed initially and then finally diagnosed kind of correctly with lupus and it's yeah just like watching them both roll with the punches and like kind of come back time and time again I think has been overwhelmingly inspiring and a great lesson to all of us of like, you know what, like today's pretty okay, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them have been, I've been messaging both of them and they've been both so helpful and just encouraging and like, it's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Like you just can't live with it and still kick ass moving forward. Um, you just have a little extra thing to think about, but it's not the end of your career. Yeah. It's just part of your story, which I think is, is like kind of a critical asterisk there. It's like, it's not, <laughs> doesn't define you. It's just a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, one thing we were thinking about, we joke a lot actually on the podcast where we're, where we joke in, in, in quotes here that like, you know, we're, oh, people tell us that we're supposed to be learning from these experiences. Um, Keely and I have adamantly both been like, we're both done learning. Don't tell us that we have We've to learn enough. anymore. <laughs> we don't want to learn anymore. Like we want a nice, easy 2024. We're done yeah. learning. <laughs> like no more. Someone else can have the learning experience. But, but because of that, we have to reflect on that a little bit with you too. Um, and so we're wondering, you know, what has been the learning experience or what have you been able to take away that is hopefully positive from months of uncertainty? Um, I've learned that like, I really do like running like intrinsically. Um, I like movement and knowing that is important. Like maybe, um, maybe I 
do have this autoimmune disease and I can't compete at the level I want to in the future. I don't think that's the case. But hypothetically, if I was in that situation, I know that like I still have running as a form of movement and I can still enjoy it and be grateful that I have that. And like that wasn't fully taken away. Um, and walking, I learned like, oh, I can walk too and like still be outside and enjoy that. And that's also a great thing. And it just kind of opened my mind to like outside of the running bubble, like life exists and will go on. And I think Megan Roach has been really good about that too. Like, oh, I'm still a mom and I'm still like all these other things and a researcher and just a kick-ass human. And that just because this is like throwing a wrench in things doesn't mean life doesn't exist outside of sport. Yeah. I was, I saw a post recently and it was about Jordan Hesse, Gordon, I think. Is her married name now? Um, yeah, she married one of my friends from college. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's such a small world. Yeah. But well, she's essentially. Ryan, it's, Ho- it's Hogan. 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 Sorry. I was like, Gordon. Yeah, it's Gordon. okay. Hogan. <laughs> I say Hogan. Yeah, it's so okay. funny. He was part of cross country with me. So we've been homies. It's so fun. I love it. Small world. Super small word, but she's publicly announced recently that she's like stepping away from professional running and they're going to figure out what that means with her and Nike, et cetera. But she's like, yeah, I'm just really enjoying like running a little bit each day at like eight minute mile pace, just like not thinking about anything. And I thought that that was like very beautiful, like this like high performance athlete who's been at the top of the sport for a very long time, like including like as a high school standout type of thing to be like, yeah, you know, for right now, like I've got some other things I want to focus on. And I think that you've experienced that too of being like yeah you know what walking's like actually kind of great nice hot girl walks are fun (laughs) (laughs) oh yes we all that's what I do with my dog they're hot girl walks you can take your your cat out um okay moving kind of to a new a whole new topic which this I think will be actually a very a very cool conversation for us to have is um you posted recently on Instagram um that you have three jobs Mm -hmm. running running your business and being a brand ambassador. And it's really hard to balance those things. It's exhausting from a promotion side. And, you know, we've kind of actually messaged back and forth about this a little bit and you've gotten some really good feedback. And I'm wondering how you feel about meshing those three pieces together, especially number one and number three. Yeah, it's been a very changing landscape. And I would say to everyone, like go read the comments because people really did have some great takes and I liked yours the most. Um, but there are some very interesting and insightful things on there, like ways to think about it that I hadn't thought of either, which was cool to see. And I think it's a huge conversation. We could have a whole podcast on just this. But in the past, I think first it was, you just have to run fast and you'll get a sponsorship. And then it was run fast and have a social media following. Even like five years ago, that was kind of the standard. Um, and now it's like, oh, you just have a following, social media following, but you're kind of like B tier, you still get a sponsorship or we'll pay you more actually than the professional runners who are winning races because you have more followers. And it's become like a really murky landscape that seems to be changing quickly. Um, And I said on my post too, like I'm losing two sponsors at the end of this year. Um, And like I won Worlds, I won two U.S. championships, and so it doesn't seem like the value of high performance is being acknowledged, and they're more interested in, like, how many likes did you get on this? How many views did this reel get? And I, in my opinion, 
I want to be sponsored first because of results. And second, if I have a platform, we can use it, but I'm not there to like peddle products. Um, I want it to be authentic and I don't want like my worth to you be based on how many views I'm getting if I'm winning races because I'm still training like most of my time is spent put into training to win races and then I'm not getting paid for it so it's just kind of like backwards I think in a lot of ways it's the ambassador marketing mentality that all athletes are like kind of forced to fall under. I, I lost a sponsor or walked away kind of mutually from a sponsor last year because of a, well, people aren't using X, Y, or Z discount code from you. Like they're not using your vanity code. And I was like, when, when, when we're like forced to push out this, like canned, like use this discount mm-hmm. code or if like, it's obviously inauthentic or like, it's really hard to make it feel authentic. Mm-hmm. And so like, do you think, and maybe this is like reflecting on the comments on your post. And this is what I got at in my comment on your post was like, you know, people want to invest in people. Like we have stories that are valuable beyond like canned marketing jargon. Do you think that the sport or that sports marketing will evolve to a place to move beyond the ambassador marketing model and mass posting campaigns to something that feels more genuine? I really hope so. Um, because It scares me to think of the alternate universe of that where we don't go that way. And uh, like, where does that leave the professional running field as a career? Like, will there be no money in it because no one wants to pay people to win races? They only want to pay you if you get social media followers. Um, And like, where does that leave the entire sport? And that's scary to think about too, because I... I'm sure that some influencers work hard, but it's not like training your guts out every day. Um, And like, yeah, if I just wanted to make money, I would just go make videos. Like I wouldn't go train. You could just be an ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why would I be putting my body through this just to not make money? Um, So it is kind of scary to think about. But then I was listening to another podcast uh, with Aaron Lutze and he was like kind of on the um bandwagon of like well you need to have social media and high performance results and my like devil's advocate or I don't know what is it devil's push push back to that yeah push yeah back, I guess counterpoint to that was well Hoka just sponsored like three um high school athletes and two of them have private Instagram accounts you can't even follow them unless requested and they're all like two to 4,000 followers, which like really isn't even a micro influencer. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, what does that mean? Because they don't have a following and they might have one result, like they won footlocker or something, but like, where does that put them? And mm-hmm. like, where do we go from there with yeah. like pros too? The, mar- the marketing mm-hmm. move is just to simply like say that they signed them essentially, right? Like that just gives them press for a day. And Keely, Keely I'm going to interject with one more question before the question that I know that you have to ask. And I was, we've had this discussion amongst um, other runners, just kind of like offline. Like if you go and look at like a, a marketing, like a social media marketing job at any of the companies that we all run for, they're paid, you know, a minimum of like 50 K upwards of 90, hundred, 120 K depending on the, the location. Most athletes in the sport are not making those numbers from any one sponsor. 
and and yet were asked to do that job. And to me, that feels like a massive disconnect. Like if you want me to be a social media marketer, you can pay me to be a social media marketer. But that is, mm-hmm. you're, there, I feel like a lot of brands are trying to get both at a much lower price. And that mm-hmm. feels very unfair. This is my my current rant for this episode. That feels very unfair <laughs> to the athletes. It does. Yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of like my poster. I was like, so you're asking me to do three jobs, but you're paying me for one job. And <laughs> that's not really fair. And they could be like, well, you're not getting enough likes, Corinne or Grayson. And then we're like, well, our first job is to run fast. And after that, I don't have time to be putting in the time I need to get all these likes. Cause it does take, especially with the algorithm now, like it is a very calculated social media strategy you need to have if you want to be successful. It's not Instagram of 2019 where it was organic and people followed you because they liked you and then they would see your posts. It doesn't work like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's so true. It. I've had this discussion a lot with some of my teammates and also just like friends in general around like the line is so blurry and yeah, to your point, like, I don't feel like we've seen an uptick in salary to compensate for all of this ask. It's like, no, now we're still making professional runner salary, but like now we have to do all of this other stuff. And it's like, no, I don't want to do all of that other stuff. Like if I wanted to do that stuff, then I could ask for another contract to go through that stuff. Like then I'll, then I'll do it. But yeah, I'm with you. It's a really tough line. And and it's not like you're seeing brands offering to help either. They're not like, hey, you know what? We're actually going to give you a social media manager who like is really good at this stuff, who will take your account and be like, cool, like what is going to be the optimal for your audience? What kind of messaging? I'm going to give you some photos and like content. We're going to help you grow this. That to me would make make it a little bit easier to be like, cool, because I don't have to go research all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing you've done really interestingly, and also in my mind, like it's very intelligent of you to do is like kind of keep number one and three separate. So kind of keep your athlete separate from your ambassadorship and like acknowledge that you are an ambassador and also an athlete. And so I just wonder how like you've been able to keep them separate in like your own mind and feel as excited doing both. Yeah, I guess I will preface, I'm not very excited to do number three anymore, <laughs> which was the brand ambassadorship. <laughs> I'm pretty mm-hmm. out on that because I think I went really hard on it for a couple years because um, it did seem like that was what brands wanted, but it has devolved now to like, no matter how much energy I put in, it still won't be enough apparently. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. going to cut my losses, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've been trying to like see it as that separate because um, I think that is important, like especially time management daily of being like, okay, my number one job and priority is to run fast. So did I do all the things I need to do for that? And make sure that if I'm thinking about social media stuff, I'm not like making a reel that's cutting into like training time or making it so that I'm not a professional athlete. And maybe that's like me personally, like who do I want to be or what's a person I think would make me proud? And that's like a version of grace in that, is good at running and like wins races and that's not a version of Grayson that just gets a lot of like Instagram views like I think the person I'd be the most proud of is the runner and priority number one not number three 
I think that's really smart and something that I've been trying to, I think most of us have been consciously trying to like delineate time and manage time and also have a healthy relationship with social media, which can be really, really hard and can be a time suck and can just make you feel bad about yourself too. So evaluating that, that is really, I think a positive takeaway for all of us. The job that we have not touched on yet is job number two. And I've got it in my notes as Grayson Murphy, the MF and CEO. Um, since we try to swear limit like in a limited capacity. So MF and CEO. And that is uh we glossed over that second job. It's the C that that you are the CEO of your own business, Race and Grayson's training log and daily planner, which I have owned and love. Um, although I use an internet training log like so many of us, I love the paper the like getting to hold this thing and write in it. It's like my weekly and my daily practice. It feels really good. And we're just kind of wondering what inspired you to launch that business. Yeah, back in 2018, it was my very first couple months as a pro and I was making a training log and planner combo thing, just hand drawn for myself because I had some extra time to kill and kept having people ask me where I had bought it. And then I was like, Ooh, that's a business idea. Like if you think you can use this too, um, I'll make you one. So I made them and the first year I like barely broke even. I had to ask my grandma for like startup money and paid her back and then like had $0 left. (laughs) Um, so it's really grown since then. And I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, even since I was little, we were always like thinking up of business ideas, like raking leaves for the neighbors and charging them um, lemonade stands and all that. <laughs> so this was kind of my adult version of that. And then it was cool that it really took off in a way that I didn't expect and was a cool way to like connect with the running community um, outside of performances and even outside of social media, which was kind of a nice outlet for me because I think I've always wanted that it to be more like grounded and I'm not this person winning races I'm just this person that we both use the same training log and it doesn't matter if you're just starting or a pro so it has been fun and then now it's like kind of more of a side hustle that I'm trying to use to replace and supplement job number three, um, because I don't know what the state of job number three is going to become. And I don't want to rely on that because I've seen the last two years that it's an unreliable source of funding. And also something that I don't like, know if I agree with morally and ethically and um, isn't good for my soul. So that's what I've been putting more (laughs) to. I think that's important. I call it the spirit sponge yeah. a lot. I'm like, is the spirit sponge full? Does it yeah. feel good? Is it dry or is it full? Um, a good adventure. We'll so fill true. The, fill the spirit sponge. Um, we were also kind of reflecting on the fact that it's grown exponentially over the past couple of years from like breaking even at yeah. $0 in, in year one. Um, you said that you're investing more energy into job number two for, for both like moral and financial reasons, which I think is, is really amazing. And we're just wondering how it has been to manage a growing business and then balancing that with your athletics. Like, is that a nice, a nice pairing? I kind of think it is like, it's nice being the boss because I can have flexible hours and I don't have to be somewhere at a certain time usually. Um, and I can make my own schedule so that then I can make sure I am getting like all the training done that I need and, putting time away for that. Um, it has grown now to where like I've had to hire some help and 
uh, my partner Logan's going to become my business partner because it's gotten to where like now I don't know that I can keep doing it all myself um, and take it where I want to take it. So that's been kind of fun. But yeah, it's been like very fun side thing to focus on that isn't relate. It's like adjacent to running, but isn't about running results, which is nice to have that break mentally too. And it involves like math, which I enjoy. So I love it. Actually, you, you were doing, were you, did you finish a master's degree? Was that something else that you had going on in the background at some yeah. point in time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I saw my thesis to do, um, and then that's it. So. And what was that in? I need to pick a topic. It the like degree is sustainability and natural resources, and I want it to be somehow like trails and sustainability. But I need to narrow that mm-hmm. down significantly for a thesis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So fun. Have you heard of Dakota Jones Grassroot? Uh, yeah. Like. Okay. I feel like they do like a workshop every year. Corinne, correct me if I'm misspeaking, but they do a workshop every year where they like come together and they like brainstorm really cool ideas that can help the environment and the trail running community. Could be like a cool way for you to like meet people in the space and also get ideas. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Foot, footprints is the the name That's of the it. organization, but he's yeah, back Pey- in Salt Lake now. Too. Yeah. He's in Salt Lake. Uh, Peyton uh, Thomas, who had on the show is one of, mm-hmm. uh, has like worked alongside them at footprints as well okay on my in my notes we've got some final key like some final questions and i labeled one as serious and one as silly um so we'll start with a serious one and then we'll get silly to finish up and so the serious one said what's something you know now at the end of 2023 heading into 2024 that you wish you knew a year ago um that the year won't go how you expect it to. Um, and that's okay. And that will be okay. Yeah. There are a lot of things not on my 2023 bingo card. Yeah, that came up at yeah. the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who called that? <laughs> oh, well, when this, this will actually come out right at the new year, it'll come out, I think Jan 2nd. So people will uh-huh. be into embracing 2024 energy at that point. So the, the silly question I have for you is, will we see the space buns? in 2024 you know my hair is so thick and I think right now I could do it because it's long but layered um it really depends on how long it gets because once they get too heavy they like flop out Mm. (laughs) so I will try (laughs) my very best but actually there's a new um a speed suit situation coming too so that might be more fun yeah can we get a preview of the color um right now well of course it has to include pink because I told yes, Sophie to pass that pink on <laughs> Yep. <laughs> More pink on the trail. That is our slogan. At least that is our slogan today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sweet. Oh, speed suit. So space buns, maybe speed suit. Heck yes. Happening in 2024. Um, I guess final, final question is if people are looking for you to connect or looking for your training journals, where can they find those? You can find on social media, just Grayson underscore Grayson. And then um, my website is Grayson dash Grayson. And that has the training logs on it. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll link all of that in the show notes for those who are listening so that you can go grab yourself a planner or, you know, those, those people that you forgot to get Christmas gifts for, and you're remembering in 2024 and you are maybe not going to see them till mid January. You can order them now when you, when you hear this episode. Yeah. Get them before they sell out. (laughs) Love it. 
Grayson, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, not only is Grayson maybe the most delightful person to spend spend your morning, your drive, your run with, um, I really enjoyed getting to sit down and, and chat with her because I think we have a lot of, I don't know, experiences that are similar and experiences that are totally different. And it's been very cool to reflect on how she is managing the the pro runner versus brand ambassador relationship that many athletes have to go through. And I hope that that was enlightening for, for the audience as well, just because I don't think that we reflect on the quote job of the elite trail runner very often. It's like, oh, you get to run every day and X, Y, Z, et cetera, that comes after it. So I thought that was a really nice thing to kind of get to shed a little light on. Hilly, I know that you had some bad internet connection during the interview and to spare, to spare any lagging, kind of just sat there and watched with uh, bated breath. But I know that you must have felt uh, a kinship there given the the desire to really kind of multi-sport throughout the course of your season. Yeah, it was just so amazing to to see Grayson just kind of using using her platform and just her running journey uh, to really highlight it and to show that you know, it's about being a full athlete and whatever that looks like and how you can use different things, um, for cross training to kind of support yourself when times when running doesn't go in so well. Um, and then kind of how she can embrace that and how she's going to use that throughout her entire life, not only just in her competitive running career. I also think it's just really cool to see that she could use cross training, um, and still win huge races. So, that was obviously a big, um, something that I was like cheering silently in the background when I was listening to her talk. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just, she's just such a good, um, I think role model and just a, a, an amazing voice in the sport with everything that she's balancing, um, from, you know, being, being a professional athlete, being a business owner and, um, you know, the, the demands of, you know, what that line is between being a brand ambassador and, and actually, you know, pushing the limits of being the best in the sport. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys really with, enjoyed with it. an autoimmune condition on top of it, right? Exactly. Like she's, she's dealing with a lot. It's, yeah. it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And I mean, just like what we were all talking about the intro of this episode, I think it's really fitting because, it doesn't mean that you, you know, there's periods in times where you're not actually going to be stoked on running all the time, or you can't like, right. in periods of injury. And I think it's really important to nourish the other parts of you, but also, um, the mental side of, of, of what that looks like. Um, and I think she's just a really good example and it was a great conversation. Yeah. I love it. Keely, you've got some exciting society slamming to do. So why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So the first one, I feel like we should give a little shout out to our friends over at Stance Socks. Um, not an ad, but we love up. you guys. Not an ad. We just got hooked up after we like touted our praise for them last episode. Um, I mean, I literally love Stance Socks. So cool for me. Um, not an ad, but just showing them some love. Honestly, like if you haven't tried their socks and you're looking for new socks, not forcing you to buy any, but like highly recommend. They also have really cute patterns. Like one pair I got has hot pink in it, like interweave woven into blue. I'm not sure if you got that one either, but very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. On brand. Um, but okay, next one. So this one's kind of a question posed from one of our listeners. And while we're not going to be giving medical advice on this podcast, 
no, no, no. We will give some anecdotal experience because this is kind of going to resonate with everybody, but specifically with Corinne, a little bit with myself because it's a lot about the SI joint and pelvis. Um, so here we go. So this is an athlete saying, hey team, I hope your weekend is wonderful. This may not be the thing to ask you. She already knows we're not doctors. Very good girl. But, <laughs> but I'm on a walk listening to your podcast. Thank you with little hand emoji and thought you may know of someone who's experienced something similar. I've had huge issues with my lower back and hip for all this year. And a couple of chiros have assessed it after seeing multiple physicians who've said everything looks fine. They think I have an instable pelvis and SI joint. Their fix for this is seeing the chiro two times per week ongoing, which is very expensive. And I've been doing this for about 10 weeks now and I've seen some improvements, but not as much as I'd hoped. I'm doing a lot of strength to support this. But my point of the message is that I'm just wondering if you know anyone who's been through something like this and have found a solution in order to fix it. What did they do to tackle it? And what who did they see? Sorry if this is not something you want to answer, but please feel free to deflect this if it is. So I thought, Corinne, you could just kind of talk about your journey. Again, no medical advice here, but I think, you know, this is, again, a very um, specifically uh, female runner thing that I think happens to a lot of people. So I think just sharing your experience could be cool. Yeah. And so they've seen osteos and, and physios. So osteopaths being kind of bone bone manipulators and physios, um, I, ideally physical therapists there. Um, it's like maybe you just haven't found the right team yet. I think it's like, I've definitely seen PTs that I just haven't jived with and, or, or people that do manual therapy that I haven't jived with that I've needed to found like the right person, um, for me. And based on where you are, there's probably, there's probably someone in that area. Um, but I also know that it's like, sometimes you feel like you're left high and dry. Like I've like also taken opportunities, like when I'm in Boulder, I'll be like, Ooh, I know what physical therapist I'm going to go see while I'm here, et cetera. Um, but Essentially, the pelvis is, is and low back is hard. It sounds like you've got a couple different systems working with or against each other. And oftentimes I find when there's like multiple points of pain, it's oftentimes like in my experience anyway, like that was a battle over like my pelvis is stability. So like my back pain was because my QLs, those muscles that run kind of from like deep in your spine down to your sacrum um, were they were fighting in one direction. And then my adductors were fighting in the opposite direction. So kind of into my pubic rami. So we had two different muscle groups, one anterior and one posterior fighting to keep things in alignment. And as you both relax them and strengthen them, you're going to have to kind of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, um, in order to like create homeostasis essentially. And so that you're seeing improvement, I think is good, but I think every time that you're, you've got you, your body is manipulated or, um, kind of trying to course correct, it's gonna, it's gonna want to rebound to where it just was. And so you're going to see like these little, like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. So I think that you're, it sounds like you're likely on the right path. Um, you could still experiment by trying to to seek out some other, some other PTs, et cetera. You might be a good candidate depending on how your musculature is. Um, to, to pay, to pay for some like sports style massage. Um, because it might just be that you're really tight and you've got things pulling on it from different directions. So I would say, you know, maybe keep going a little bit longer with what you're doing, but also don't hesitate to kind of broaden that out, um, to find someone who's willing to work with you on like a specific kind of corrective issue. But yeah, it sucks. Like SI joint stuff is not fun. I don't actually think I've ever had SI joint stuff specifically. You could also like look into like a pelvic floor PT though. 
for example, a um, little bit different, but also like your obturator nerves and your, your deep hip rotators, et cetera, could be all out of whack. Um, particularly with SI joint stuff, your tailbone could be in the wrong position. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So maybe that means that like seeing a pelvic floor PT would be a great kind of secondary or tertiary option at this point to try to get you some pain relief. So, um, yeah, I don't know where you're located. I'll have maybe Keely connect me with you when we're offline off this thing to give you some more, some more, some more inside beta, but yeah, that's kind of the, 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 the takeaways I see here. Yeah. They're out of country, so they, um, couldn't mm -hmm. do like any U S referrals, but I will link you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's link. Let's yeah, link. They're up. in Australia. Mm. Makes sense. Australia is one of our higher listening continents. Go Australia. <laughs> so, uh, the last one is a general shout out to mamas again. And, folks dealing with red S again, relative energy deficiency in sport. And they said, hello, I wanted to say that I really appreciated the brief discussion about reds and the lactating athlete. I've been breastfeeding for 1.5 years. I've been on sabbatical from training for about two years due to pregnancy, postpartum recovery and demands of parenting. Approximately a year postpartum when I would occasionally go on a short run, five miles or less, I would be absolutely ravenous for a day or two. It probably doesn't help that I eat a mostly plant-based diet. Regardless, I didn't feel, it didn't feel sustainable. Now that my baby is a toddler and I'm not breastfeeding nearly as often, um, even so adding high intensity activity to my routine again, feels very different than it did pre-pregnancy. I'm doing low volume training for a half marathon. It's a lot of adjusting and a lot of uncertainty, but this podcast has been a good reminder for me to make time to continue eating two to three breakfasts a day and to be kind to my body as my sleep is often fragmented and not sufficient. Thank you for your podcast. Amen. That's like perfect. If we've, if we've reached one mother, if we've reached one athlete struggling with eating, whatever it is, um, our job, our job is well done. Um, okay. I think with that, this is this thing's running long so we're going to cut you all loose for today go out enjoy the rest of your trail run hopefully you got another podcast queued up and until next time we'll see you on the trails